Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. And not the least of which is uh, who we have on uh, to talk about this wonderful new film called Thoroughbreds. It's a story of childhood friends Lily and Amanda. They reconnect in suburban Connecticut after years of growing apart. Lily is turned into a polished upper-class teenager with a fancy boarding school on her transcript and a coveted internship on her resume. Amanda has developed a sharp wit and her own particular attitude, but all in the process of becoming a social outcast. I'm going to leave it there because there's a lot more to the film, and there's a lot more we want to talk to about this with the writer and the director of the film, Thoroughbreds, which opens here in Los Angeles and all over the country, I believe, but here in Los Angeles at a lot of different theaters. We'll get into that as well. Corey Finley, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. This is just uh, such an accomplished film on a lot of different levels. Um, uh, tell me about the origins of the story. Sure. So it actually started as a stage play, and that's been my background for the last several years. I've been writing plays in New York. And um, it started just with these two very specific characters and their friendship and their kind of naughty, complicated friendship, a naughty K N. O-T-T-Y, not the other kind of naughty. But um, their friendship is the kind of the spine of the play and the spine of the movie. And um, as I sort of started writing their voices and hearing their voices clarify in my own head, uh, this kind of psychological thriller plot started uh, growing out of their friendship. And that felt like something that I could explore much better on screen than on stage. And so I began the process of adapting it and was really lucky to find some collaborators that helped me make the movie. In my mind, is sort of harkens back to a lot of the uh, sort of British theater as well as British films. The Brits seem mm. to have been very, uh, very enamored and very good at making what they used to call drawing room dramas, right, where you just had yeah. a couple of people squared off. Is there someone in particular that sort of is a touchstone for you as, as, a, as a writer, as a, as a, as a playwright? Yeah, in, in the piece, really influenced by Harold Pinter, the mm -hmm. great British playwright, mm -hmm. uh, and particularly the way that his plays are full of these really um, complicated, menacing silences. <laughs> it often feels in Pinter's plays like the all the dialogue is just there in support of the silences, and that these sort of menacing pauses and these pregnant moments of stillness and silence between characters, that those are the real sort of meat of what he's writing. And um, he was hugely influential on me, and I hope there's a little bit of a Pinteresque feel to this movie. Right. And one of the great things about this film, one of the really the strengths of it is, is that uh, well, we haven't really got to the meat of what the story's about yet. But these two young women have decided to take matters in well, the yeah, take matters into their own hand in terms of mm -hmm. dealing with an overbearing, arrogant. Asshat of a of a step of a stepdad. <laughs> Choice term. Yeah. yeah, of a stepdad. I mean, he's really he, one of the. This is one of the great things about the dynamics of your film, is you set up a lot of these characters, it, all of the characters, in a way that there's an internal logic to so much of what happens in the film. Not sort sure. of from a moral point of view that, that that's to, to be discussed, but for certainly within this sort of internal logic of what you've set up with your different characters, this arrogant, overbearing father 
stepfather and the relationship with his daughter and all of it. So uh, I just wanted – I don't know if I have a question here. I just want to compliment you on your ability to kind of set all these things in motion in a way that gives us as the audience a way of relating to the story and to want to continue to find out what happens. Well, thank you. It's, I think one of the things that's carried over from it being a play is that it's a very contained story. It's set almost entirely in this one home, uh, and that was one of the most difficult parts of getting the movie together in pre-production was finding the perfect home, because yes. uh, it is really a huge part of the story. It sort of functions as a character itself. And, um, and yeah, I, I love tension on screen. I love just sort of pushing audiences' buttons, and um, I wanted to to place the audience as much as possible in this really kind of um, emotionally dense landscape of this home where these characters were sort of doing battle with one another and um, and to make it as, as cinematic as possible. Yeah, the home itself is kind of a labyrinth of sorts, right? You, it right. feels like I'm never in the same room twice. It feels like there's just all these different things going on, and, there, and in a way the, the home becomes kind of a metaphor for the different choices that these these characters are making it's it really am i right i didn't feel other than maybe the the, the living room in the kitchen it felt like mm-hmm. i just was in 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 a different room a new room all the time in the film i don't know if that was just i think so yeah, yeah we we doubled back to a couple of key rooms a right. couple of times more right. you mentioned but generally we wanted to move around the house as much as possible and not just to pick a bunch of different locations for scenes, but to physically move. Uh, we were very inspired by the sh- kind of classic steady cam shots, yeah. uh, following Danny's big wheel around the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah. we, uh, we didn't want it to feel like a staged, or excuse me, a filmed play, but it's a really movie and to really have that sense of momentum and, and action and movement. There, there's a there's a Lawrence Olivier Anthony Hopkins film that's names just left me that this feels a lot like it's sort mm. of uh, I I'm sorry I shouldn't have brought it up but it, this sort of back and forth between the main characters and we haven't even mentioned this wonderful acting duo that you have in the film at Anya I'm sorry Anya Taylor Joy and Olivia Cook who play yeah. respectively Lily and Amanda just remarkable acting on their part truly just great stuff uh, from them. Obviously, casting was crucial in, in making this film. Tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah, they're both really incredible, and I think they both have tremendous careers ahead of them. And um, I was just a big fan of both of them. I'd seen Olivia in a number of movies, and I think the one that stuck with me most was me and Earl and the Dying Girl from a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and Anya had just done The Witch, which is a really remarkable movie from a couple of years ago. And um, they're, you know, the burden of making the movie work really falls on those two performances. Um, it's a very, very kind of performance-intensive movie, and um, and they're both tremendous. And they developed this really cool chemistry together on set, and um, yeah. were really active in kind of shaping their their own lines and uh, and their own arcs through the movie. And and uh, couldn't have asked for two better collaborators. Yeah, they are just spectacular, and it is it's sort of a Again, as you mentioned, the sort of this the way that this film uh, the and the story unfolds, the sort of ratcheting up between the two of them, and the and it's subtle, but 
they begin to take on the characteristics of one another over the course of the film, which I found to be right. it's really as as I don't usually use these kind of terms. They sound very film criticy, but they're <laughs> this kind of a, this delicious sort of simmering quality to to their performances really accomplished stuff and while they are in in fact very very good uh actors this is your first time uh, directing right this is the first time you stepped on a movie set was for this film yeah. right what, it's true what do you attribute your ability to kind of draw well from the theater i, I can see where you would be able to draw out some of these these performances but you obviously work with uh, – obviously you had a lot of confidence in yourself because this film does take some chances, certainly. In, yeah. In, and uh, what, what, so what do you sort of attribute your, your comfort level in, 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 in making this film? Well, I think the comfort level came slowly. It, it, first, I'll say the play took kind of forever to develop. I worked on it over the course of several years and kept putting it away and bringing it back out. Um, but once the – sort of pre-production on the film was going, we had very little time because we were kind of scrambling to hit a deadline. Um, we wanted to shoot before Olivia went off and did Ready Player One, the big um, Spielberg movie that's coming out shortly. And um, so there was sort of no time for second-guessing, which I think was very useful for me as a first-time director. And then just on set, um, I was really pretty terrified and overwhelmed the first day. It was my first time stepping on any sort of movie set, and I was uh, the director, and that was a little bit, uh, a little bit overwhelming. But it, one of the lovely ironies of that is the movie is, among other things, about characters that really have to sort of suppress their emotions and um, characters that are very good at controlling their emotions and and um, portraying a particular, you know, giving a certain emotional face to the world while they're feeling something else. And I had to do a lot of that myself uh, on the first day on set. I was. Uh, trying my best to project a, a picture of the calm, cool, collected director, and there was a, a lot of roiling anxiety inside. But I had amazing collaborators, and, and it got a lot easier from there. We have some terrific uh, producers involved with the film, but also oh, yeah. I, I just I gotta uh, give some I mean, sort of a recognition to your cinematographer in this because it mm. looks beautiful. Tell me a little bit about working with. Is it Jonathan Beatty, or who, have I got that right? Uh, well, Lyle Vincent, actually. So oh. John Beatty uh, uh, shot was our Steadicam operator and, okay. and had kind of an amazing um, an amazing influence on the, the physical movement of the movie and, and the framing of shots. But um, Lyle was the DP. Lyle, um, I'd seen his work on a couple of movies. The one that had really stuck with me was A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Oh, yeah. Probably on your Poor's movie, yeah, from a couple years ago. Oh, that's a great film. And, and, intensely visually striking movie just a great movie overall yes but um uh and and very distinctive widescreen anamorphic black and white look and um i was really drawn to just how bold that that movie looked and we talked with lyle and it was pretty clear that we were speaking the same language um about this movie and had some very similar kind of visual influences and um he was amazing he's a, a very very meticulous uh, cinematographer. He's very specific with his use of lighting, um, and uh, and and created this wonderful kind of slightly elevated dreamlike look to the movie that we were very specific about shooting for. Well, it just comes off that way. It just really is a beautiful look, uh, and also sort of diving down a little bit into the uh, 
the logistics of the film. Another thing that struck mm-hmm. me in watching the uh, Thoroughbreds. By the way, we're speaking with the writer director of the film Thoroughbreds, which out, is out today in Los Angeles in a number of theaters in Orange County, L.A. Check it out. Look for it. But it's uh, but um, also. Oh, did I say it? Writer director Corey Finley. Pardon me, I don't think I said that part. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, is the sound design this? The, the the soundtrack's very very good, but I I was really taken by the sound design in this film. Uh, t- mm. Tell me a little bit about what went into that as well. Yeah, sound was a big part from the beginning. Even in plays, I always uh, made as much use as possible of sort of recorded sound and offstage sound, and um, and yeah, one of the Early on, we came up with this idea of um, the sort of the noise of the loathsome stepdad's uh, ergometer, his rowing machine, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of bleeding through the walls and ceilings of this huge house. Yeah. Um, and and the inspiration there was the Telltale Heart, the, the classic <laughs> short story, but right. the, the notion of the kind of um, this this uh, irrepressible sound that sort of tortures the character and, and keeps them awake. And um, that uh, that became a really critical part of just the, the overall sound of the movie. And then sort of late in the process, um, I was experimenting with a bunch of different directions in which we could go with the score and the original music um, and eventually met with an amazing composer named Eric Friedlander, who's a really kind of a brilliant cellist and just a, a composer and improviser and sort of a musical renaissance man. And he... Um, built this really beautiful score. Well, beautiful is a strange word for it, but a very distinctive score that's all his cello, um, prepared piano and percussion. And it has um, a very kind of unsettling, distinctive sound to it that it was a nice counterpoint to the much uh, prettier, more beautiful um, visual language of the movie. And you're right, and and it really does. It, it every all these elements add to just a very polished uh, piece of film, and uh, just yeah, just a very accomplished. I felt entertained. I felt scared. I felt all kinds okay. of different. Yeah, absolutely, and also just completely drawn into the psychology of all these different characters, and that really, mm. really kind of sealed the deal for me. To, in order for you to be able to do all of those different things, I just it's a. Yeah, congratulations to you very much, Corey. I, I'm sure uh, this is whet your appetite for for more uh, film. Are you going to continue in this? Uh, it really has. Yeah, I still love the theater, and I'm, I'm, I still have some kind of theater project. Um, but I am. I, I had such an amazing time, and really lucked out with all of my uh, all my collaborators on this one, and uh, I'm very eager to get back on a film set. So I'm developing a couple different projects uh, for the screen, and, and and hope to be doing this again soon well congratulations uh, it, it's uh, again the film is thoroughbreds uh it, it is uh, in theaters today you can go to the film school radio.com website to find out also you can go to focus feature films to find out where it's screening as well is it have its own website i wasn't able to to find any uh i think so there should be, yeah, there should be a, a, a okay. sort of a focus feature of Thoroughbred's website. Oh, right. No, and, it's, uh, it's the, Fandango and, yeah, all yeah, sorts of places. Yeah, it's on, it's on Focus Features. I didn't mean, I mean, I thought it maybe has a standalone site, but yeah, it's on mm, focusfeatures.com. Right. You can find out about the film and where it's screening. And all the best to you moving forward. Thank you. Gosh, I hope, uh, I, I can't wait to see uh, something else from you. And uh, if, if and when that time comes, please come back and join us here on Film School. I'd really love to have you. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate it, and it's been a pleasure.
pleasure talking. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's Corey Finley, writer, director of the film is Thoroughbreds. Take care, man. You too. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.